Not only is his name Do Good, that's what he does every day in the eyes of the homeless community he serves. Let's meet him. I'm Garland McWaters, and this is the Spirit of Leading podcast. Evan Duguid is the founder of the Be Heard Movement in Tulsa, a nonprofit that voices the needs of the homeless community in their own words. Evan states that their mission is to break the barriers surrounding homelessness by strengthening compassion, dignity, and hope, while providing an outlook to promote the individual's voice to be heard. In this episode of the Spirit of Leading podcast, we're going to hear Evan's story and the immediate impact it has had. Evan, I want to thank you for joining me on this episode of the Spirit of Leading podcast. Thank you. It's an honor to be here, and um, I'm glad we met and crossed paths, and I'm very excited to be here. It's a privilege. Well, I'm very excited to hear more about uh, your project, the Be Heard Movement. I just kind of stumbled across it uh, several weeks ago, and I called you up and said, where where are you going to be? And you told me, and I went out and we met then, and I knew right away that I wanted to tell more about your story. So I'm excited that you're able to spend some time with me today, because I know you're very, very busy doing a lot of things around the Tulsa area. Uh, You uh, came to Tulsa four or five years ago. And uh, after growing up in the Virginia Beach area, so uh, that's this is kind of a long ways away from Virginia Beach. How did you find your way here? Yeah, so um, I would never imagine that I would be in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, and so I grew up in like the Hampton Roads area. And when I was 15, um, my parents got divorced, and um, I was couch surfing for a little bit and lived with my grandma, um, slept on the floor, a part of high school. And my dad ended up moving to Tulsa. Oklahoma, and then um, I played basketball um, in college in Pennsylvania, and then had some, you know, life situations happen, and then went to go see my dad in Tulsa because he was very sick, and so um, my sister was like, you better go see your dad before he he dies, because, you know, uh, at the time, I haven't haven't lived with him in a while, I haven't seen him in a while, I just want to make sure he was good before he passed away, and so moved to Tulsa, and then my dad is still living to this day. He got better, and so that's a, a, a quick story of how I came to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Well, you never know how things happen. You know, you're just very fortuitous that uh, that uh, life leads on the way, way leads on the way, and you get someplace, and and uh, you take advantage of the opportunities that you have. Now, you became interested in the homeless community here in the Tulsa area. And you did allude to the fact that you were sort of couch surfing for a while as a teenager, kind of. Uh, Is uh, that what uh, opened your heart to working with the homeless when you got to the Tulsa area? How'd that come about? Yeah, so I feel like my, uh, the response I got from support to my couch surfing really solidified, oh, I wanna do this, I wanna help people, Uh, I wanna help you know anybody who's struggling so when my parents were divorced I had teachers you know pay for my lunch teachers really looked after me you know if it wasn't for those teachers like a lady named Miss Kersey Miss Cowley I I don't know if I would still be alive to this day just because they played a huge role a huge impact in my life during that that rough season so I want to give that support to somebody else and then I moved to Tulsa and I worked for um, a nonprofit here in Tulsa where they they help homeless youth and one day um 
um, a fight broke out in the drop-in center, right? And there was two homeless youth they were fighting, and I knew I knew them both very well. And then, um, we, you know, we're trained to de-escalate. I separated them, and all of a sudden, you know, um, I, 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 somebody pulled out a knife, and then they end up, you know, stabbing each other. And I saw that, right? And so once I saw those two youth who were abused growing up, you know, um, emotionally and physically by, by parents, and the parents didn't want them, and then they just kind of met each other in, in Tulsa, and then something happened, and they just, you know, just kind of went off on each other. And then you can just see the hurt. You can see this, like the hurt, the trauma they experienced growing up. And it's just like nobody was listening. Nobody was really there to support them. You know, they were always passed around. Oh, do this, do that. You need to do this better. But nobody was ever took time to just listen. And so after seeing that, I was like, what can I do? What can I do to just better help my community? And that's how Be Her Movement kind of started. Obviously, you connected with them because you had been in their situation a little bit. Yeah. That uh, you had been in, like you said, you could have gone either way if it hadn't been for people who had helped you and uh, and took, t showed an interest in you and helped you get where uh, you got, get past that. And so, uh, from the from the awareness that you needed to do something and wanted to do something, what happened next? What happened next was all I had was a little camera and a snack pack, right? And so. Um, I feel like um, people's stories are not being told, so people don't know who they are. And so I wanted to bring awareness on um, their stories. And I don't know the Bible. It talks about your testimony, how um, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and your word of your testimony. And, you know, and so uh, I believe that we overcome by telling our stories, you know, and help other people. So I just wanted to give people um, an avenue to the voice to be heard. Um, in the community, so, so the community members who don't know them feel like they do know them through the videos. And so that's how it started with just a snack pack and a small camera. And then eventually, you know, God just blew it up, you know, a year later. So what would you do with your camera? You said stories. Did you go out and record people, just have them tell their stories? And where did you put those? Yeah, so um, we, we uh, recorded people's um, stories for documentaries. We also had a homeless cooking show. And so we were just, just trying to find creative ways to spread awareness and show love consistently, you know? And so uh, I'm not there just to record and just leave them. I, I, I want to record and build report, build support, build relationships with them, you know? It's not about um, just, just that camera. It's about letting the voices be heard. Some stories I have never posted just because in that moment, that person just wanted to tell the story to me. And so um, I have to steward over their stories by, you know, a posting or not posting, you know? So sometimes people like, hey, man, that felt good to say. However, I don't want you to post it. And so, but they felt that freedom. They felt listened to. They felt valued in that moment. I like hearing what the way you're telling the story because very often we, it doesn't dawn on us just how important it is that someone just listen to you and what that means to you. Now, when, when you were young, uh, uh, was there something that happened that, uh, that, that you could relate to that sense of being listened to? Did you feel like you were listened to or were not listened to? And how'd that, uh, how'd that play out in your own experience? Right. So I feel like growing up, I was always just a natural leader, um, whether it's basketball or in the classroom, you know. And so um, I felt kind of respected as a leader at, at times, but also listened to as a leader. And so whether it was in the classroom, my teachers, they supported me because they listened to me. You know, I didn't have to tell them anything that was going on at home. They were there. Say, hey, you know, I know you what's going on. And they just had a listening ear. And it felt good to just just, hey. My parents are divorced. I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. I have nothing to eat. 
and that you know that's tough you know we're here for you to support you um, we got your back this is more than just a classroom or more than just a teacher we want to support you and so just after hearing those things um, and just experiencing those things that changed my life of somebody listening not telling me what to do not telling me oh you need to do this do that but hey I'm all ears for you isn't that interesting because uh, the way you you said that what I picked up on was that they, it wasn't because you were telling them anything, it's because they were paying attention. Yeah, because they, they knew you, they had taken time to get to know you, and uh, because they knew you, they knew when something was you know, bothering you or whatever. They were, they were listening with their eyes and listening with their heart, not just with their ears. And when they listened that way, then they were able to also listen with their ears and then be compassionate about what you were saying. And I think that's really a powerful example uh, what it is to really listen because sometimes people people don't ever say anything and then so then they blow up at you and then they, you say well why didn't you say something <laughs> you know and, and and you say well didn't you notice I mean why didn't you notice and, and that's a that's an important lesson do you find that to be the case a lot of time in the young people that you work with that they just feel like no one's even though they're, they're screaming in a sense uh, people just aren't paying attention Right. And so with paying attention comes, I believe, um, knowing the person. So um, by me building a report and support with somebody, um, that means I'm aware of them and I'm aware of their feelings as well. And so because of my teachers, they, they knew me, they supported me and they care for me. So that means they were aware if something was going on, you know, happening in my life or I was acting different. And so many people on the street. Um, that we that we come in contact with are not being listened to um you know they're told where to sleep you know people are handing out food here you eat this you take that here's your sleeping bag you know no talking go to sleep you know they're always told what to do but they're never asked about hey how can we help you decisions for their life uh, like this like the, whoever like the city or nonprofits they're making decisions for them but are we really asking them hey what do you need you know because a lot of times people assume oh you need you need a job well no I need some counseling first because I have a lot to process if I get a house I might just lose it because I don't know how to process back trauma you know so we need to get in the habit of you know be, be quick to listen and slow to speak Now, boy, isn't that a great lesson, because I know a lot of people who are policymakers, and I know a lot of them are very sincere in their heart. They want to do good things, and they want to change the world, and they want to make things better. But uh, it's an interesting perspective that very often we think we know what the answer is. You know, not having ever walked in the shoes of the homeless or, the, or those who are struggling, uh, we come from our places of comfort and affluence or whatever it might is. Oh, I know what you need. <laughs> and we're very good at trying to uh, formulate policy and then never having once thought, well, maybe we should ask the people that actually are the, that we're trying to help what it is that they need. Uh, when you started asking those questions, what are some things that turned out to be pretty big uh, revelations to you? Kind of aha. So, oh, I would never have thought of that. I mean, even though you'd been homeless for a while, uh, what's some things people told you they needed or wanted that you don't usually hear coming up. Yes. So the number one thing I've heard for the past almost two years was, hey, I just want to shower. And I was like, that's it. Like, 
there's more to that. No, that can't be the answer. And after hearing multiple people of, of saying they want to shower, I, we've seen people shower in storm drains and in dirty rivers. And I was like, you know what? Like, let's let's somehow provide showers. How do we do that? And so, um, the the what the vision was, oh, a mobile shower trailer, like shower on wheels. Why not? Let's do that. And you know, so that's how um, that was birthed. That idea, that vision was birthed, just because we listened first. Uh, shower on wheels because you know I'm I, I you see people who are homeless and we think that uh, uh, we know the answer to, to their problems and we never stop, stop and consider that some of the very very simplest things that we just take for granted every day could be the most important things to some people at some time so uh, so the shower I mean I can really get that uh, what what are some of the other things that go along with that service because I when I went out to visit I saw there was more going on than showers so what else is going on so um, during the week, um, we operate as a mobile drop-in center. Um, so we are the only mobile drop-in center in Tulsa. So what that means is a drop-in center is where you can come, get basic essentials, and also resources. So people can come get, you know, showers, um, haircuts, clothing, hygiene, um, and laundry coming soon. And also they can um, um, get case management, um, DHS help, food stamps, um, and medical as well during the week. And so our goal was just to be a one-stop shop on wheels in a mobile drop-in center because during COVID, a lot of people couldn't go to shelters. A lot of people couldn't go get those services. So we wanted to bring those services to them. So now we can go We can go to, to Riverside. We can go to 11th and Garnett. We can go to Sand Springs if you wanted to just, just to help people. And so um, that was the goal, to get people cleaned up, um, restore their dignity, restore their confidence, and get them the next step in life. Because what I see is people take a shower, and we actually done a study. So we ask people, hey, would you want to get help with housing? Before they had a shower, they're like, no, we're good. And then they had a shower. Um, up to 50% of people who we asked say, you know what, let's go ahead and take the next step of a shower or a job. And so just a cool study that we've done that having a simple shower can um, help restore confidence and boost dignity to take that next step in life. Well, that's just remarkable that there's a small thing, there's a catalyst onto something else, and it's it's and it's it's so simple, it's brilliant, <laughs> actually. And uh, and how a person feels better about themselves just when they feel more physically better, you know, cleaner or, or more presentable, things of that nature. When I was out there, I saw you giving the hair the haircuts. I thought, well, that was a great idea. You know, uh, people like to clean up and look good and. Because uh, and I and I was able to talk to some of your uh, some of the people who were there receiving services, and they were telling me their stories about how they had reasonably successful lives until they didn't, and until that went away. And uh, are are is that pretty common story in your experience that uh, a lot of these people who are homeless now have at once been uh, self sufficient and pretty successful? Yeah. So I see a lot of people who you know. Um, just life just happened to them. Um, I remember when I first started working in this field, um, I met a girl. She was 16, right? She was living living in the middle of the woods. And I was like, you know, what's what's your story? What's going on? And she said that her mom had a boyfriend, and the boyfriend or, and the boyfriend told the mom, you better choose me or your daughter. Um, they ended up kicking out the daughter, and then they were abusing the daughter. And so they said they said she can stay if on on certain conditions but they were abusing her so she felt more safe being homeless in the middle of the woods in the winter versus being at home and so it's just you hear those stories of abuse those are stories of just a lot of trauma that happened to them you know i met a guy his house burnt down you know and so you hear a lot of those things also and talks to a lot of mental health um, um that that contributes to homelessness as well 
And so when you come across someone that obviously needs mental health uh, interventions, uh, how do you counsel them and how do you how do you get them to the right people? Right. And so at Be Heard, our, one of our goals is just to collaborate with people. Um, it's not all about us. It's about us collaborating with other people. You know, we feel like we can do, we can do more together versus us by ourselves. So we love to co- collaborate with the Mental Health Association, um, House and Solutions, um, Parkside, and many other um, um, nonprofits in, in Tulsa. And so um, a lot of people we see, you know, need mental health. You know, they have PTSD um, and, you know, depression, anxiety, and things like that. And what's what's crazy is people who are newly homeless, I, I'm, I, and I've met a lot of people who are newly homeless, by the time eight months pass, their mental health condition has gotten worse just because of the streets, just because homelessness can can amplify that and make it worse. And so um, um, we just we just rely on strictly just um, support, connection, and then collaboration to help them get the, to take those next steps of receiving those mental health services. Do you find that being out uh, sort of as a mobile uh, drop-in center that you connect with people, uh, more people than uh, these uh, these agencies and groups do by being sort of uh, in a building someplace that you have to go to? Yeah, so um, I love the day center. I love Mac uh, at the day center. Um, I just know that, you know, during COVID, you know, a lot of shelters went to half capacity and a lot of people were forced out. And so that gave us the opportunity to reach more people just because shelters aren't seeing it. Um, you know, because of COVID, you know, having less capacity. And so we're seeing a lot of people, and that's why we're, we're trying to get a second trailer to, to reach more people in Tulsa and more areas because there's such a need in our city and our state um, for mobile drop-in centers. Uh, when people go out, uh, how do they take care of each other? I mean, it occurred to me that people just aren't on their own, that we naturally want to connect and find communities some way. Uh, how is that working among the unhomed community? Yeah, so a, a lot of people, they um, they camp together versus being by themselves just because there's strength in numbers and things like that. They're really their own community, you know? And so, um, but for us, we build community with them by being consistent, you know? So every Tuesday at 6 o'clock, we're here. So a lot of times, nothing's consistent in their life. And so by us being consistent every Tuesday or every Thursday, every Saturday, um, they know, hey, Be Heard is going to be there. My support is going to be there. And, you know, and so it's awesome to build that support. We also just started a program called Project Orange where we hire people. Um, we hire one or three people who are who are, you know, homeless or we like to call them homebound. And you know, they work for us at our, at our outreach experiences. They help us. And so by that, they're learning job, you know, time management, again, job history. Um, you know, they get a, a letter from us and resume and things like that. And then we try to find them long term sustainable employment. And so we try to meet that barrier because a lot of times people say, oh, just get a job. Well, some jobs aren't really as supportive, you know, and so we want to be that support piece. Um, help them receive these these basic job skills, and then hopefully that gives them encouragement and confidence to take that next step of a long-term sustainable employment. And so far, it's been an amazing um, job program we started. A lot can be said for that first step. I mean, I I know sometimes uh, the first step is always the biggest step to get going and get moving to establish some kind of momentum. I know when we talk about uh, energy, for example, that uh, when whenever you are sort of at rest, that takes more energy to get you moving than it does to keep going. And so the, the courage and the emotional energy it takes, and sometimes just the physical energy it takes to take one step to do that one thing, 
and if you have a little help doing that, now you're going and things get just a little little bit easier. Now, I, I, I know from visiting with you at the, uh, at the Denver house the, the, a few weeks ago that uh, there's an interesting story about how the actual mobile uh, shower came about. You were hoping that someday you'd have one, and, and you were thinking much further down the road it was going to take. So what happened in that story to get it up and going and now around town like it is? My agenda, my plan was to get a mobile shower trailer by 2025, right? But I, I, I pray, I said, look, Lord, I really want a mobile shower trailer. Um, we're believing for one in 2025, right? And so I prayed that last year, um, probably early early January, right? And so fast forward to December, um, you know, I got invited to go to Transformation Church, and the pastor called me on stage and says, hey, uh, be heard, y'all getting a, a mobile shower trailer. And I said, I, I lost, I started crying, um, not because I'm getting something, but people can get something, you know, and help the situation. And so um, we were just blessed to... Um, you know, this process was expedited. And then because of, you know, my faith and the church's generosity, we we're able to help people um, through our mobile shower trailer. Um, but it, that doesn't stop there. And so we got the trailer or we ordered the trailer in January of this year. And it's supposed to be here, I think, like in the in the July. And I was so excited. I said, oh, wait, we need a truck to pull it. Like, I ha we have no truck. And my, I had a little key. I said, my kid is not going to pull it. And so uh, I said, all right, look, Lord, if you provided the, the, the trailer, you have to provide the truck, you know. And so you wouldn't just give me a trailer if I'm just going to sit on it for 10 years, right? And so um, I prayed again. I said, look, Lord, <laughs> for a truck. And so um, fast forward to um, end of June, the trailer is going to be here in two weeks, and we have no truck. And so... Um, I ended up sacrificing my own vehicle, personal vehicle that I just got paid off, to to get us to get us a truck for our nonprofit, and then to go back in debt, and so um, that was a sacrifice, and that one was definitely hard to do. But we, I know that people needed a shower, people needed a haircut, people needed laundry, so I'm gonna trade my truck in or trade my car in, and so we ended up getting the getting the truck. And I said, all right, God, we got the truck. But I'm believing this thing we get paid off by the end of the year. Our first payment was August 31st, right? Um, I get a phone call from Rhode Outreach Church. They say, hey, come to service two weeks later. And um, they end up calling my name on stage. And they paid off our truck before our first payment. And I was like, this is this is crazy. That, I, I was crying once again, just very thankful how God, God provided the funds to get the nonprofit. God provided the funds to get the, the trailer. God provided the funds to, to get the truck. Like, I have no connections. I'm 25. I, have, I don't have no... 401k, I don't have no no money like that, right? So um, this is a testimony that this can only be God. If God provided the trailer, he is faithful to keep us, right? And so um, that's just a, a wild story of how this is all came about. And it's been a quick work. Like we've only been a, an official nonprofit for a year. But God has done so much in us and through us that we're very thankful that people people get those help. People people feel human again. People who are um, ha didn't sleep that previous night are now getting showers and services, you know? And so... Um, like your faith, your yes can help other people. Just like uh, um, Noah, he built the ark, right? And so because he built the ark, the next chapter, there was people that were saved generations because of his yes. And so um, it's awesome how your yes and your, your, you know, your faith can help other people. Well, that's a really great and inspirational story. And, uh, and having been in the ministry myself years ago, I guess I, you probably never tr truly leave it, I suppose. Uh, doesn't Jesus say, pray believing? <laughs> Uh, act, and of course, uh, you know, in, in, in personal development and uh, in the law of attraction and things like that, there's a lot of 
of belief systems out there that all basically are saying the same thing through different lenses and filters. And, uh, but, but what they're saying is when you act affirmatively uh, in, the, in whatever power it is that you believe in, uh, the power of the God as you understand God or whatever it is, uh, that energy creates more energy. That belief and that yes, that yes that you're talking about creates energy in someone else. People see uh, the result of what you want to do, and they believe in the they believe in the result of it and the and what's going to happen, and then they help you find the way to make that happen. But uh, I know along the way, as you have lived through this uh, over the last five or six years or so, uh, you yourself have had to have gone through some personal growth and changes as a result of this experience. Uh, how, how has this affected you personally, you think? What have you learned about yourself? And what do you think now that's going to mean to you going forward? It's, it's a great question. So I have this quote um, kind of live by. It says, um, you know, people are born looking like their parents, but they die look like look like their, their decisions. And so, for me, what I'm realizing is your decisions matter. And so, um, what people are seeing now publicly is what I stood over privately. And so, people don't see those nights where it's like midnight. I'm praying. I'm I'm stood over or who I am in, in Christ. Um, praying to God for trailers. Praying to God for funding. Praying to God for people. You know, people don't see those. People are seeing that, oh, they got a trailer. It looks amazing. Can we get one? Or can we get, you know, can we work? Can we help? But they don't see the the, the steward of, of the private moments. And so um, that's one thing I'm really just being fully aware of is just, hey, like, steward your private moments and nobody sees. Nobody sees those moments. Nobody sees you talking to God by yourself. You write down a vision, making it plain. Nobody sees that. But people see the fruit, right? Nobody, nobody was clapping for me when um, I was by myself in the room when I wrote down shower trail. That seemed that seemed wild, right? But now people, we have a shower trail. People are clapping. People want to donate, which is awesome, which is great. But it's also always look back and remember, hey, these private moments helps for this public moment. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. What a great, uh, great insight too. You sure you're only 25? <laughs> so, so uh, a great insight because I know I've heard other people talk about those moments, uh, those private personal moments that you're talking about, where they got the vision or they got uh, and they didn't know how they were going to do it, and or they put themselves out there and committed themselves to something that they didn't know how they were going to actually pull it off, and all they really knew to do was to, you know, was to pray. And uh, we not only pray when we're in trouble, we pray when we have hopes and dreams as well. You know, so it's not just uh, it's not just get me out of this mess. It's like help me move forward and do something great and wonderful. And uh, so, what's what do you think is going to be next for you? I mean, I I don't I'm pretty sure you when you came to Tulsa, you didn't think you'd be staying here. So, what's going to be happening next as you find yourself in Tulsa and doing this uh, uh, be heard movement and it's uh, taking hold? Uh, the, what are you praying for now when you're quiet and by yourself? Right. So I always laugh and chuckle when people ask me that question just because, like, I have an agenda, but <laughs> something might might get speed up, you know. And so actually I haven't told this story publicly at all, which is crazy I'm about to say this, but uh, we're believing God for a second trailer, right, with three showers, three washer and dryers, laundry, and a barbershop in the trailer. And because people now, they come to our mobile drop-in services, they take a shower, they just throw away their clothes, right? And I'm like, mm, we need some laundry. And so uh, right now we're believing God for a second, you know, laundry trailer to, um, for Tulsa. And so 
But that's funny because I prayed for one, right? And um, I we ended up going to Miami for Pastor Mike's book release in Miami, Florida. And I told my crazy faith story about how this all happened, just like I'm just now. And uh, family from California heard about it, right? And they emailed me and said, hey, like, I loved your story. God told us to move to Tulsa. And I was like, okay, cool, awesome. They're like, but God told us to release a chunk of funds to a nonprofit. And I was like, well, look no further, you know? And so, um, but they're like, they're like, God, where? And then I popped up on the screen and told my story. And they reached out to me. We, we met. And they were like, hey, like, how much is the second trailer? And I said, what? I said, uh, this, this, this was very expensive because it's, it's bigger, longer, and like LED walls, all this is decked out, right? And they said, okay, let's, 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 let's buy it. Let's go take care of it. And I said, I said, whoa, hold on, hold on. We're buying the second trailer? They said, yes. So um, God has blessed us, not with one trailer, but two, right? And so it's like a deja vu moment. Oh, we need the truck now. But guess what? I remember what happened last time, right? I'm not going limit, to limit God to it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen just like that in a box. But if God provided the first trailer, he'll provide the truck. If God provided the second trailer, he'll provide the truck, right? And so the second trailer will be here in May. And we're just very thankful that this is this even happened, right? And so very thankful. But we're also trying to expand to Oklahoma City. Um, they've been calling, reaching out to us, and, hey, we want this mobile dropping center in, in OKC. It's successful. It works. It helps. And, in like, you know, with COVID, it's perfect, right? And so um, we're believing God to be in OKC by end of next year. Wow, that's just really amazing. And I, and I have no doubts that it's going to happen. Absolutely no doubts whatsoever that it's going to happen because, you know, as the word starts to spread, as the word gets out of what this opportunity is, and uh, there are people whose hearts are right for it, and uh, they're, they're, as you've already experienced. And someone's going to show up, and they're going to say, well, we want to help do this. We want to help get this in Oklahoma City and, and uh, be, a part of, be a part of that story. And so obviously they're being heard. Uh, do you have any, uh, as this is happening, uh, how do you keep the initial purpose of what you wanted to do sort of forefront because it's exciting all of the things that are happening but how do you not lose sight of the voice of those who are the ones that you're you're reaching out to serve in the first place how do you keep that fresh in your own perspective and in the minds of the people who are reaching out to help you right and so that's a great question so i'd be heard um, we make a commitment to, to serve in excellence and so and what that means is we will always remember our why. Like, we will always remember our why. Yes, like, people who have influence, they're, they're going to come. They're going to try to do this and that. But we will never forget our why. I've been offered buildings um, in Tulsa and, and, and 100 grand of buildings, but God said, say no. And I'm like, what? And so it's just like, remember your why, remember who. And so, like I said earlier, like, what people are seeing now is a result of what I steward over my private time. So... Our team, I tell them, hey, look, if like we need y'all need to steward over your private time, private moments, because if you're not, you're going to lose your why you're going to lose your focus. And so if my team, I said, look, if y'all have not like gotten to the word that day or you, you don't feel rested, stay home, like stay home, get plugged in. I'd rather you be you be plugged in in full versus you pouring from an empty cup. And so when, once we get that realization of, oh, OK, my why matters, why we do this matters and this people matter not not the likes not the instagram not the not the not the money but the people that we serve they matter you know and so we have to keep that mindset of our why because i feel like a lot of people they lose that 
you know, once money comes in play or they lose that, you know, you know, they might, a lot of nonprofits, they start one way, but they end a different way just because of money. But, you know, promotion comes from him. I'm not worried about the money, where it's coming from or, or where's it going to come next. And so I'm worried. I know that God got this. If he provided all these things, he's faithful to keep it um, um, providing it. Well, that's certainly great advice. And we, it's easy, easy to lose uh, touch with the why sometimes. We get caught up in the doing of the things, and we forget exactly what the motivation was to begin with. And there's so many stories like that. Well, so what uh, if so, someone listening to this, uh, this podcast might say, you know, I've got something on my heart that I want to, uh, to be about, and it's been there for a while, and I just haven't got to that first step yet, and I don't know kind of how to move forward. Yeah. Uh, do you have any insight or any advice to them that you think might uh, be meaningful to them as they sort of try to figure out what, where to go with their passion that they want to unleash? Right. And I would say be careful who you tell your dreams, your visions, and burdens to. Um, because if I would have um, told my dreams about the trailer to somebody else that I didn't really know, who wasn't who was just a friend but just not a friend you know um my dreams could have died seed form in somebody else's hand you know and so you have got to be aware of who's in your circle who's a fighter for you you know that hey i have this vision and like hey we're gonna help you let's do it let's do it with you what you need from us you know not oh hold on that's that's too much you're never gonna do that you don't have just this experience you know so you got to know who your fighters are in your circle um, first to because you don't you don't want you don't want to drop seeds onto 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 rocky soil so you don't want to drop your dreams onto rocky soil because they will never grow they'll probably end up dying in that there because of someone else's opinion and so for me I, I don't live by people's compliments because you will die by the criticism you know I, I live by what he says about me and so if you know who you are and you have your support group then um, I would say take that step of faith Awesome. Just awesome advice. Well, Evan, thanks so much for taking time on a very, very busy day. I know that you have a lot of other things to do today to just uh, tell me about uh, how this all came about and where you want to go from here. Uh, like I said, I just came by your uh, uh, your project to sort of uh, serendipitously, I guess, and uh, knew right away I wanted to know more about that because uh, here's a young man who's living in power. He's, uh, this is a guy who's making things happen. And uh, he is living by that uh, spirit and power of love that, uh, that, that, that can do exceedingly more abundantly than you can think or imagine, you know, in the words of the Apostle Paul. And, uh, and sometimes we, we limit our dreams and we limit our possibilities, what we think we can do by all those, uh, all those difficulties that we see and all those obstacles that we see rather than saying, oh, this needs to be done. I'll do step one. And we'll worry about step two after I do step one. And it goes from there and, and, and things happen. And sometimes they happen totally not like you thought they were going to happen, but they work out. And uh, so I think from hearing your story, you're kind of saying that along the way that you don't ha know the end of the story yet. Uh, you just know where we are today and you know where you're going to, what you're shooting for at the end of the day today and tomorrow maybe. But the end of the story, gee, who knows? I mean... Uh, all things are possible, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. Well, thanks so much and uh, best wishes to you. And we're eager to uh, help encourage you along and share the story. And hopefully there are a lot of people out there who want to do similar kinds of things in their worlds uh, in, of influence to make the world a better place. And I just want to say thank you so much for having me. Um, it's an honor. And I just want to say thank you for your yes. Um, 
I, I don't I don't I don't think it's no coincidence how we cross paths. And I think, you know, um, God is the author <laughs> of it. And so thank you for allowing voices to be heard. And thank you for your yes to um, help the community and help help people just empower voices. You know, you are needed in our community. You are needed in our state. So thank you for your yes. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the encouragement. And we'll do our best uh, at every podcast to, be, to share a story with someone who is uh, living in an empowered life who is looking for a ways to unleash that creative energy of love in their own experience to, uh, to make the world a better place for themselves and for, the, for everyone else around them as well. Uh, Evan, thanks so much, and I appreciate uh, your time today. Thank you. Well, that's Evan Duguid, the founder and CEO of the Be Heard Movement, a nonprofit in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You'll find out more online at beheardmovement.com and how they're helping educate the public about homelessness through the voices of those living on the streets. So that's it for this installment of The Spirit of Leading, and I want to thank you for listening. I also encourage you to recognize and appreciate anyone who demonstrates the spirit of leading at work and in the community. When you join the Empowered, you'll get a notification of my latest podcast or the latest post in my weekly Empowering Thoughts series. Please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. And until next time, I urge you to live empowered each and every day and unleash your creative energy of love to make the world around you more wholesome and joyful. Enliven the heart, enlighten the mind, encourage the spirit, and enlarge the expectations of living in yourself and in others. I'm Garland McWaters. Thank you.